Alright, this is episode 14 of the Beef and Bitcoin podcast with your host, Brett and CH. Uh, today's topics, we're just going to uh, kind of shoot the shit a little bit, talk about a little bit of the FOMO that's going on in the market right now. We're going to cover a few uh, Q&A questions that we got last week that we didn't get to go over and jump down that rabbit hole, see how it goes, and then just uh, you know talk a little bit about some uh, macro stuff and see how it's going, but uh how you doing today, Brett? Doing pretty good. Um, as you see here, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, this is the one-minute view of Bitcoin here when it went up 21% in 53 minutes. Uh, as there's an article probably mentioned later, but it was actually pretty well written. Should we just jump to Turd Mister's comment on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We jump into it. Um, yeah. So here it is. He said, "Most incredible analysis of Bitcoin's recent price jump." And as you, I'll read it off for the podcast listeners. Garber Gerbox, digital asset strategist at Vanek. I probably botched his name, by the way. I'm sorry. Sees the price of the jump as a result of a short squeeze. The strategist noted that CME Bitcoin futures expired last Friday. A large chunk of positions was rolled buying into the new front month BTC futures contract. Over the weekend, heavy spot Bitcoin and over-the-counter buying followed the Bitcoin futures contract expiration, pushing BTC price up slowly and gradually. As the price moved up in increments, over 500 million shorts have been liquidated on leveraged crypto derivative trading platforms around the world. So, I mean, that's one of the big reasons. I think there's, you know, there was obviously a shit ton of shorts liquidated here. When, when something goes up 21%, for those that don't understand trading, okay, 21% might not sound like much, but when you start factoring the people who are trading in margin, that's why when markets move like a few percent in a day, people go crazy because you, there's people out there who are leveraging, you know, 20, you know, 10, 20, 30 times. I mean, there's obviously less leverage, you know, between one and 10, but there are people out there who 20, 30 times leverage. Well, someone's at 50 leverage on a 21% day, they're liquidated. That's over 100%. I mean, unless they have the margin, of course, that's a different story, but <clears throat> their position's screwed pretty much is my point um this is a huge move and as you can see there's literally no volume over here to the left um and you can see the price of the little candlesticks you can't even see them here because the one minute candlesticks here are ridiculous uh <laughs> that's a simple put i mean this move is pretty crazy like someone ended up dming me and i was like i was like they were saying like look at bitcoin and i'm like what's going on because i hadn't checked anything didn't have any you know price alert set and all of a sudden i look at bitcoin and it's up at like look at this at yeah, it was like 4,700. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy that, you know, but this is how it's been moving lately. There's like no normalness. When Bitcoin pumps, it pumps. And when it, it's dumped before, it's dumped. Like when we look at, at least what I'm speaking about is the last few months. I'm zooming out now for better perspective here whenever it loads. Um, that's nice. But long story short is recently all the moves, when you look at them, it's very sharp. There's no, it's not like it takes a while to build. Like it, when it goes up, it's going up. Um, and I'm on a daily time frame, but like every update, it happens. Like when this happened on the, I think it was the eighth, that happened in like a few hours. It just went up, you know, big price movement all at once and then settles off another big price movement. And then obviously here it just dumped completely. But like here we are and we're, might be breaking out. I think we're going to, oh, we're already. When we were recording, we started recording this. It was like 52 something. So, I mean, this is 
in the last hour or so. Um, you remember Crypt CH? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, I was just thinking you made a good point about the uh, how what I'm laughing because we're about to break out. <laughs> Oh, we are. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let me think. Uh, for anybody oh, who's listening right now, it is Sunday, September seventh, uh, seven p.m. Pacific uh, time. Pacific time. There you go. So and, that and you know, it's moving a little bit. And uh, you said a lot, so I wanted to talk about a couple things. One was, I got a DM the night we started pumping, and uh, you know, Bitcoin moved to forty-seven hundred, forty-eight hundred, whatever, and. Everyone's asking me, oh, are you seeing this? What's going on? How, how high is it going to go? And I was responding back like I have no fucking clue where this thing's going to go. But it's a good point that every day you're not in the market or holding, like you, you could miss these gains. And 20% is nothing to fucking sneeze at, to be honest with you. And uh, somebody, I, I forget the exact uh, metrics, but somebody did an example of if you miss the 10 largest trading days of Bitcoin per year, like what your return would have been otherwise, and they're minuscule. So you miss the 10 biggest trading days of the year for Bitcoin. That's pretty much, that's like a 80% of the gains for the year. So you miss out on huge moves by um, trying to time the market and you know catch the catch the bottom or you know sell the top. It's just very difficult to do. And I've found my anxiety level decreasing substantially by just accumulating stacking sats and holding. It's just so much easier. Yeah, no, I mean, he's he's right in that. Like, for the most part, trading, there's nothing easy about trading. Um, it's uh, when you're in long term, like, CH is playing the long game. He's playing the long game. So he's just buying because at some point he thinks – this is the whole thing of long-term investing. You know, you think it's going to be a higher, you know, a much better value. And that's where he's at. That's yeah. his mindset. And that's probably the best way to go about this. It really is for the most part. I mean, as you've seen, like, if I, – I don't know what's going to happen here, to be honest. Anything's possible because, like, last year people forget, like, we – like, this is a three-day candlestick and went up $4,100. Like, so – That's what I mean. Like, this thing have, can rip faces off right yeah, away. Yeah, I, I don't think people realize, like – this is a lot. Like, I'm just going to do, let's do this. Let's just see how, like, I mean, quarterly bars look retarded. <laughs> I shouldn't do that to us. But uh, I'll do monthly. This is probably better. And I'm going to turn the volume off. So, like, you can see it. Like, who knows what the fuck's going to happen. But, like, that looks pretty good right now. Like, just looking at the monthly, it's whatever's going on. It, and who knows, like, because we've seen this before, like that's why you see a lot of log charts. I'm sure crypto and I probably see it all the time on Twitter. But like that's a like so this gives you a better idea of the percentage moves. But that's scary. <laughs> what do you think? Still there, man? Sorry, I've been muted for like thirty seconds. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, no I was talking about FOMO, and I was saying, uh, you know, the last the last couple of days we've seen a, a little bit of FOMO creep back in, and it's hysterical. And uh, my prediction is the next round of FOMO will be 
absolutely ridiculous because the numbers start to get very large. If you, if your takeoff point is, let's say from 5,000 as an example, and, uh, you 10 X from there, the numbers get really big and the, the absolute dollar amount that Bitcoin moves in a day and with, with those kind of percentages gets really big and face melting. And I don't think anybody's really ready to see those kinds of numbers. Dude, yeah, um, I don't think people are ready. We, we, I mean, we, we saw, we, right, that's what I mean. Like, like people dude, quickly forget I don't, I don't how think wild, people, I don't know. I just, I just had like that mental thought, like, like, okay, like if we, if you 20X from here, you're talking 200,000. And that's I, what I, I, mean. I, I, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't put that thought in people's head, but people are, no, the but, FOMO, I think the point is your FOMO here. This could, as, because, I think uh, there's a guy I follow on Twitter named Occupy Wisdom, and he is the most anti-Bitcoin person. He's a gold guy. I, I, I get his view. He's a, you know, but you like a lot of this stuff. I don't know if you follow him, but he's just anti-Bitcoin. But when he and he mentions like clips with it, but and as you're saying, the FOMO. I don't think people realize how bad the FOMO could get here. No, the FOMO can get absolutely unbelievable. If you think about the fundamentals of Bitcoin in the winter of 2017, we had just gotten through uh, the Bcash fork, Segwit2x, the No2x movement, you know, uh, the New York Agreement, all that bullshit that uh, BitPay and all them tried to pull off with doubling the block size and they got wrecked. Um, the fundamentals were so bad and the FOMO was unreal and we had 20K. Now it's two years later or a year and a half later. Not uh, even, dude. Everyone's on lightning. Life. You know, like there's so much going on. Lightning is doing great. Um, you know, there's upgrades in the pipeline. Schnorr is coming in maybe 2020. You have nodes, uh, home-based nodes and uh, hardware products being delivered. Um it's never been better to be in Bitcoin right now. So when you think about what the FOMO looks like the next time around, and I know it's it's wild talking about um, six-digit Bitcoin, but that's where you that's where we head when you start talking about numbers like those and pumps because the takeoff point is just so much higher, and um, it's either going to do that or it's not. And I think that's one thing people don't really understand. Like, how could that even be possible to get that high? It's like, well, you've got a pretty scarce fucking asset. You've got sound money, the best money we've had. And um, people will FOMO into it because the volatility of the world around it is only increasing. You have um, geopolitical risk. You have um, currency crises around the globe. You have a lot of shit going on. And uh, all that volatility will go somewhere. And since Bitcoin is anti-fragile, it's going to soak it up. So as long as you can take the heat, you fucking find your seat at the kitchen, man. This looks pretty nuts. On the log channel, it looks pretty fucked. Because you start playing with the numbers here when you zoom out. They get really big. Yeah, Yeah, they get get huge. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the thing. And I don't want to sound like a pie in the sky kind of thing. It's more like, no, that that's the reality. Yeah, it's either going there or it's not. If, if and if it doesn't, Bitcoin's over. It's done. You know, we either trek on and keep keep moving forward, and the price will rise substantially because it's going to be global money, or it's not going to be global money. And I am totally wrong about the whole thing. And uh, 
you know, that'll be the last episode of the podcast when I come to that realization and that'll be it. But I am, you just call it beef. <laughs> yeah. We just renamed the podcast to beef and, uh, you know, I don't know what the fuck we would talk about because I, I would be pretty. I would be. Pre- I would be pretty sad. This is. I've got a lot riding on this. I. Uh, this. This is such a game changer technology. It really is. Think about a money that anybody can use that is not monopolized by anybody. It's just super fucking powerful, and nobody is really putting that together. Even the people who are in this space who are just speculating on it, thinking, oh, you know, it'll, it might be worth something. Uh, you're not really, you're not on it, man. Like, it's going to be such a game changer. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, as you said. Um, it, I, I mean, if we break out here, that's going to be interesting. Like when you zoom out there, it gets really, it gets, it's like, it just, as you said, it's either going there or it's not going there. And that's the issue people don't understand. Like it's not going to, Bitcoin doesn't sit still really well. And you can just look at that chart right there. It doesn't just kind of hang out or we're either really going or it's, you know, it's, it's, so it's a big, um, I mean, I know it looks crazy here, but like when you, that's why like the log channel changes everything up, but still. Like that's what I try I mean, to mention to people is like last year the candles got ridiculous, like it just didn't st- it didn't make any sense is what it did, and that can happen again really easy as you said price drives adoption and it hundred percent does right like if right. we hit ten thousand people are going to go crazy like it's not gonna we won't just we're not gonna just hit ten thousand if we hit ten thousand it's gonna like go because there, right. there's gonna be a FOMO back in in a sense for sure all right listen to this tweet from Armin Van Bitcoin. Whales FOMO'd already. Educated investors will FOMO between 6K and 12K. Those who bought at 20K last cycle and sold at a loss will now FOMO between 12K and 20K. Next cycle, newcomers and shitcoiners will FOMO at 100K. <laughs> uh, that's a that's an interesting prediction. I fucking like it. I like it because um, the FOMO at... 20k is going to be very funny uh i'm curious to see who is jumping in at 20k and what's going on on cnbc around then it'll be funny to see how mainstream treats it but yeah that's interesting educated investors fomoing between 6k and 12k i i don't wonder if okay let's talk about it like this there's a ton of cash sitting on the sidelines and everybody knows it right yeah. Everybody's got cash sitting on the sidelines waiting for one last dump. And if that dump doesn't happen, or if it does, uh, there's a lot of fucking cash sitting on the sidelines that will move in between 2019 and 2020. Um, and you saw what happened when, what was it, uh, 10, like, thousand Bitcoin uh, market buy orders? I mean, bump the price 20%. What do you think happens when real money comes in? That's a good question. It's uh, it's gonna get interesting. You know, like think of, th- I mean, that was ten thousand dollar market orders that caused that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that only ten of them. <laughs> Imagine when you have a uh, hundred institutional investors or more looking to get their first positions. 
into yeah, the market. It's it's a definitely uh, interesting concept. And like, like, what are they gonna fucking call each other and be like, oh hey, or do you want to buy today? Because we don't want to push the market too much, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> what yeah. are they gonna take turns accumulating? Seriously, shit gets out of control. Yeah, I mean, like, so this is another thought. Like this, I mean, it doesn't go all the way back in Bitcoin history, but like where it went pretty nuts in early twenty thirteen. <laughs> And then, like, look here. It just dwarfs it. Like, I don't think people realize how quickly the numbers can go against. As you said, like, when it starts going up a shit ton of dollars in a day, as you said, like, that's insane. Like, you're in, like, right. When you start seeing $5,000 moves in a day, I, th- I think about it. A, a move from 20K to 25K is what, 25%? That's yeah. a $5,000 move, move. And we saw that happen in an hour a couple days ago. Um, and it's the same percentage move, but it feels bigger going from 20K to 25, right? That will really wake a lot of people up. And then, (laughs) I mean, think about 25% moves taken off from 100K in an afternoon. The numbers just get really fucking massive. Yeah, it's that's where, like, it it gets really mind-boggling because, as you said, like, the the limited supply becomes an issue. And then the FOMO, think about the internet, think about how many people have access to the internet. Bitcoin gets like a, a butt again above 20k or near that number. People, every mainstream media outlet will be talking about it. That's what happened in December 2017. That's why you saw the FOMO into everything, was because it just became this hot, hot topic that people talk about and became retarded for a few months. I mean, that's yeah, it's that's where it's at. It's Sorry. exactly, I mean, <laughs> no, that's exactly what's going to happen the next time, but this time it'll be even worse because you had a lot of people who were. Getting in in January 2018, winter 2017, they were thinking about it. That might have been the first or second time they've heard about it. And they still need that third or fourth time that they hear about it to take it seriously. So the next time your average person on the street hears about Bitcoin, the price might be at 20K. The price might be at 12K. I'm not sure, but it's definitely going to be higher than it is today because price drives adoption. So if they're hearing about it, it's moving. And uh People need to hear about it enough times and it needs to breach a certain price uh, for like that mental barrier where they say, okay, maybe this is here to stay. For me, it didn't have to go that high. I don't know, 1800. I'm like, oh, wow, this thing's pretty fucking legit. Maybe it's not going anywhere. Somebody else might need to see 25K for it to click for them or 100K or higher, you know? I think you just cut off. Did you mute yourself? Yeah, I just muted myself. Can you hear me now? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have your hot keyed up or something? I don't know. No, you're muted again. <laughs> oh, I turned it off. I turned it off. <laughs> Sorry. You just keep I keep I can I realize I can see that you're muted when it does that. Oh, tight! I didn't know you could see. Yeah, I, well, I like I like opened it up because I didn't know if it um, was a connection issue, or so I was like, uh, and then I realized it's just muted. Yeah, I mean, no, as you said, we were talking about price drives adoption here, um, and it doesn't help when this thing pumps; it gets a lot of media attention. You got to think about social media now, how quickly things spread. Um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, you name it, and then mainstream media will catch on to these trends and then they're like oh we gotta talk about it too and you get like your local news channel talking about bitcoin's a very big issue yeah i think that's what you're gonna see yeah uh 
I don't know when we see it. Do we see it in 2019? Maybe. Uh, do we see it in 2020? Probably. Um, and then after that, uh, I don't know. It's too far in the future to tell. Predicting the future is pretty tough. Yeah. Long view, I'm not concerned. In the short term, I have no clue. But when you see these little bouts of FOMO, I mean, just extrapolate that out to bigger numbers and it starts to get really fucking wild. Yeah, when you just say that, like it, when it get, you start extrapolating, and she said it gets pretty ridiculous. Um, should we mention Jesse Colombo's tweet from the other day? Yeah, definitely. I think that's a. I think like, like you and I will follow him. Like people don't know him. Follow him on Twitter, or just at least read his articles. He gets really good. He writes really really good stuff. Um, and you can find his stuff. He writes on zero. His stuff will get posted on Zero Hedge, and he has his own thing. I think. Uh, investment, something investment advisors, RIA or something like that. I can't think of it. Do you remember the name of his? Uh, I don't. I don't. Oh, real, real something. Yeah, uh, I think that's what it is. It's like real investment advisor or something like that. But I mean, he writes really good content. Um, so we can find. And in the meantime, like as you said, like who like as we said predicting the future is ridiculous but he um you know find his tweet because it's it's very good it basically talks about what he's worried about and i think he does a pretty good job explaining it here's a here's one actually here's a good example there is no means of avoiding the final collapse of a boom brought about by credit expansion the alternative is only whether the crisis should come sooner as a result of a voluntary abandonment of further credit expansion or later as a final and total catastrophe of the currency system involved. Ludwig van von Mises. Um, is it Mises? Yeah, it's Mises. Mises. I, uh, I actually put that in my story the other day, that exact yeah. quote. It's awesome. Um, if you haven't checked this out already, there's a free economics boot camp on uh, the Mises Institute YouTube page. I, I went through it. Uh, this past weekend. It's six videos. They're about a half an hour each. They give you the basics of economics that you would need to know more than 95% of probably actual economists out there. You'll know more than them too by taking this. Um, totally worth going through. And it rips through a lot of Austrian theory and it breaks it down to the to the fundamentals. And it's definitely worth checking out especially if you're into Bitcoin, because it's going to make a lot more sense after you get through it. But that goes right back to the sound money angle, right? I mean, credit expansion is why we have the boom and bust cycle. Um, and if we keep expanding the money supply, we're going to keep seeing it over and over again. And now we're at a point in history where uh, that is coming up again. And we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, if they raise rates or or cut them and kick the can down the road, but I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, should I uh, read this tweet? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this tweet from Jesse Clown. This is from March twenty first. Tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions, of people are going to die as a result of the coming economic coming global economic crisis. I'm warning about. Yes, it's going to result in a die off. So excuse me if I'm. If I become livid when people just take the attitude of just trade it, bro, 
When I say tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people are going to die as a result of the coming economic crisis, that may sound crazy, but it's not crazy at all. Nearly 100 million died due to World War II, which was a byproduct of the Great Depression. Um, and that's a great, perfect example. Like, for instance, World War I was roughly 16 to 18 million deaths. World War II was north of 64 million. So the scale, and as big as World War I was, World War II dwarfed that, you know. Um, <clears throat> And then you talk about what, you know, post-World War II, you know, like right after the end of like victory in Europe, there's a lot of, you know, ethnic, ethnic cleansing, a lot of different things. So it's pretty crazy. And then it says, yeah, oh, go ahead. No, I was just, um, no, go ahead. Okay. I was just going to finish off the rest of this little tweet thread here. Uh, nearly a hundred million died due to World War II, which was a great byproduct of the Great Depression. Excuse me, which was a byproduct of the Great Depression. And what caused the Great Depression? A massive economic bubble that formed during the Roaring Twenties. My point is that we are in the Roaring Twenties now. My bubble warming warnings aren't a trading thesis. They're trying to prevent the collapse of our way of life thesis. Someday after the collapse, I'm going to tell my grandchildren that people at the time, i.e. now, were so preoccupied with trading that they missed all the signs. Yeah, I'm going to tell my grandkids that I was holding Bitcoin and I watched the whole thing happen and it was hysterical. Damn, that's, that's, that's mean. <laughs> nah, here's the thing. I'm, I'm more optimistic than uh, Jesse because I think we're going to have a better solution to kind of work our way out of this mess. And I think, uh, I think we're in for tougher times ahead, but... I've never been more optimistic because I think there's actually a solution to the problem. If we weren't going to solve the money problem, then we're just going to keep getting ourselves into this mess anyway, and it's not going to be fun for anybody. But um, now we actually have a chance to solve the sound money issue and um, get back to a free market that should work out exactly as it should be and let all of the malinvestment wash away from the market and all of the great uh, businesses will thrive and flourish and there will be a lot of human flourishing um when sound money is restored so i'm super optimistic i think jesse's uh he's being more of a realist here he's definitely concerned uh as he should be as everybody should be with uh what's going on but i don't know that he thinks the solution exists to the problem he's just gonna you know do what he's got to do to survive which everybody's got to do but I don't think he believes that an actual solution to the problem exists. Like you just have to let it collapse and start over. But um, I think there is light at the end of the tunnel. We just have to get there. Yeah, I I think you you're definitely more optimistic than I am. But I mean, you know, everyone sees things differently. Um, and you know, I do agree with you on some things. It's just I think the hardest thing though um, with what's going on is like there's the whole geopolitical tensions. And the, the thought of a financial crisis can really stress them. So like, and as, as important as Bitcoin is and as big as it is, um, you know, it could become, it, it's hard to, you know, acknowledge that, you know, what would happen in the, in the event of, you know, a serious outbreak of war or just, you know, big financial issues. Like if major banks have issues or something, we have something similar to 2008, 2009, that's a, that becomes a real big issue. Like no matter what. Like there just isn't enough people on Bitcoin right now or using it, you know, that it would become a major issue. 
Yeah, it's definitely not prevalent enough. And I think that's why it's a timing issue. Yeah. So if you have a skyrocketing price of Bitcoin, hopefully that's, well, that's driving adoption. You're getting more people onto the network. Um, you're getting more clarity around it, whatever, more adoption and other places in the world, maybe not the United States. I think we might be last. Um, and then couple that with, um, you know, defaults, other things, um, real estate uh, prices decreasing substantially, um, more layoffs. Uh, people are going to start thinking very carefully about why these things are happening. And I've, Hopefully they turn to Bitcoin or something else or education or learning a new skill. But uh, it just depends. It, we'll see. In hindsight, it might look obvious. I don't know. We're going to have to get there first and see. Yeah, it's yeah. who knows which way it's going to fall. I mean, as you said, like we're predicting the future and that's impossible. Um, but I, as I think Columbo says, like the economic boom we've seen in the 2000s into in this period has been completely drive, driven by shit. And that's what people don't understand. Like, this whole economic boom thing has been fed by, you know, an increase in the money supply, and we keep seeing it. And then when you look at growing debt, and there's just so much debt, and you look at so many different areas, and then you look at, like, corporate bonds is a great uh, – there's so many that are triple B that are just rated just above junk that are just about to jump to, like, high-yield bonds, basically. Like, it's – there's so many waiting on the edge that are just – if they get downgraded, it's a you know whole different ball game, um, and that's you know can all happen in a second. I mean, you know things can go to real shit. Like think about Bear Stearns, like went from like I think like it was a fifty dollars stock to like less than two bucks or something like that in five days. Like there was a whole thing behind Jim Cramer apparently, <laughs> like said Bear Stearns was a good buy, and a week later it fucking went to two dollars. <laughs> So yeah, he did the same thing with Lyft and he got wrecked and somebody <laughs> tweeted about him fucking up on the Bear Stearns call and uh <laughs> and Lyft and called him out and I'm just thinking to myself, you know, there are people and I know this because people who I've talked to at work were, you know, talking about stocks, equity, equities, investing that shit and they're, you know, telling me what Jim Cramer said as as uh their investment theses for picking certain stocks. And at the time, I probably didn't think anything of it. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe sure, Jim Jim Cramer, maybe he seems like a smart guy. He's from Philly. I like him. Um, now I'm like, what the fuck, man? People who are getting all their information from like this mainstream are very misinformed about a lot of stuff. So I, you can just tell nobody does their research anymore. There's, They're getting headlines from whatever. They're reading 10 fucking email newsletters or whatever. And uh, thinking they're like a, a professional investor on the side, and it's not everybody's just going to get so wrecked. Yeah, um, there's very few people on CNBC, but I'll say that Carter Worthington guy, he's like the chart guy for CNBC. He's actually pretty good. He, like, you know, actually knows what he's talking about, and so it's good to see that in CNBC. He's like a realist, um, which is pretty Yeah, good. I don't know that I've ever seen him, but uh, he'll be. They call him like the chart guy. He's like a little bit, he's like, I think blondish hair, like probably 40, something like that, a little bit heavier side, but but he makes some like pretty good like comments and stuff like that. Are you saying you don't think he don't, eats only meat? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has a few donuts here and there. 
maybe enjoys the you know milkshake. I don't. Oh I don't blame god. him. I don't blame him. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I mean, here's Lyft. It doesn't. He doesn't look too pretty right now. Um, and I, I imagine it's only going to get hit harder. Um, obviously, it's stuff rallies, but you can see the selling here was just intense. And once it starts selling again, they'll get more intense. So. Yeah, Monday's going to be a really interesting day now yeah. that we're kind we're, of talking about it. I didn't even think of that, that tomorrow's Monday. Um, shit. Lyft is getting interesting. Uh, I don't know who's going to wake up and want to trade Bitcoin tomorrow. If anybody is going to be buying, I, I don't know. I don't know what happens tomorrow, but I'm excited for it. And um, the next couple of weeks, just for all markets uh, in general, will be very interesting to watch. Or it'll be really fucking boring. Nothing happens. We move sideways and, you know, we have nothing to talk about for two or three weeks again. <laughs> I hate I hate to break it to you, but, like, everything's going to be moving shortly, whether you're talking, like, oil. Oil's <clears throat> made a pretty good run back up. I'll pull that chart in a second. Like, the S&P here, we're not going to hang out here. We're either going to break out. It's like a, there's the thoughts of either we complete the shoulder and it's fucked or this is like megaphone pattern going on, which is pretty interesting. I guess, uh, fuck, I clicked the wrong button here, but, um, there we go. Yeah. Hearing me get angry at, uh, <laughs> trading view, but it's pretty interesting. Like there's, I think there's a possibility we get a new high here. Just looking at the strength of this run here, we could get a new high. But that doesn't mean we're good. Like, well, what happens? You get a new high. It's going to bait a bunch of, like, new money in. The end of the retail. It'll be the end of retail trading, dude. That's what's going to happen. All the all the noobs on fucking Robinhood are going to hop in and buy stocks because they're getting oh my new God. highs. And that's going to be it. <laughs> like, so I'm, that's, I'm, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> we're going to make about, one more high. <laughs> I'm thinking about uh, doing a podcast a year from now. And looking back and saying like, yep, like the Lyft IPO, the Uber IPO, those were just total signals. Peak trading on Robinhood um, was just like such a sign of the top. You had bird fucking scooters all over the place. Uh, It's just it reeks of fucking cheap credit and VC backing and really weird business models that I'm not a hundred percent sure of. Uh, yeah, that's what I think, man. Yeah. I think hindsight's going to be so obvious as it usually is. Now investment. Yeah. It's yeah. Like I was trying to explain, well, I was trying to talk about malinvestment to somebody who had DM'd me and I was like, you got to understand like these businesses wouldn't exist otherwise if we didn't have credit expansion. No one would ever choose to invest in these things because they're not good ideas. Um, and I don't think that part clicked when I was trying to explain that. They're like, oh, well, you know, businesses need investment. How would the economy ever expand if there wasn't credit? And I'm like, fuck, man. Like you really – they really got you. They, <laughs> you really believe that we need debt and credit in order for the economy to grow or else it goes to zero. Nobody believes it. And that's uh, that's just full um, indoctrination of being taught the wrong economics for a long time, and it it pisses me off because I went through the same problem. I'm coming to the realization of this today, and that's why this podcast exists because I want to talk about it. <laughs> I feel like Trump. I'm going to talk about it. 
Nobody <laughs> wants to talk it. Nobody wants to talk about it. I'm gonna talk about it. <laughs> oh god. Oh yeah. my god, dude. I mean, it, this is where it gets scary. It's like, okay, so you make a new high. It's gonna, you know, all the retail traders are gonna just pile in as professionals unload. And then it's just going to be the end. It's going to be the end of it. I mean, look how vertical we've went since the end of December. Like, it, it, we're, we've gone vertical. But, like, when you look at the, the sell-offs are ridiculous. This guy in the office was saying, he's like, oh, yeah, best best first quarter, you know, ever. Thinking that was, like, we're riding off into the sunset. He's getting close to retirement, so he wants his bags to pump. I I, I get it. I, I would want your bags to pump, too. Like, um, I just don't know that like the fundamentals are meaningless it's you know cnbc's on in the lunchroom we check it out and he's like oh you know s&p is up you know a couple points you know my retirement's still looking looking like i still get to retire and you know i hope you fucking do man because shit could get out of control in the next 24 months and you're still gonna be working buddy i hate to break it to you yeah that's uh it's the sad reality is like this could go south so quickly. Like right. I don't think people realize how quickly like the system fell apart in 2008. And that was like this whole time, this has all been propped up by central banks. I don't think people realize like the rally, nope. the rally on December 24th was fueled by an extra trillion being added into the, you know, uh, like liquid, you know, um, injected into the you know monetary system by the people's bank of China. That's like the whole rally here. And if you don't realize that's like, and so that like also makes me question, you know, it's this whole crypto rally. We're going to see what we saw at the end of 2017 where crypto popped all of a sudden out of nowhere, like not out of nowhere, but just really went vertical. Um, and then, you know, you had all basically the equities all peak at the similar time frame and the U.S. market where basically equities peaked with crypto. And then the uh, U.S. market was the last one to collapse at the first week of February. I mean, it's going to get interesting soon. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Like, look at this. Like that one, that two week period here at the end of uh, January into February wiped off like eight weeks, nine weeks of, you know, what happened. And the question is here, do we see like one, two week candlestick cover a full four months of, you know, time? Like that would be painful. Um, And there's no getting that back like that. Like that would be like if we shed 20% in the two week period, that would be deadly, you know very bad for the market obviously and people yeah definitely wouldn't be fun and uh somebody had actually dm'd me and had said you know i think if we see a recession that money isn't gonna exit to crypto or to bitcoin and i i agree with him in a sense that a lot you know the average person's not gonna think oh the market's going to shit. I'm going to take my money out and buy Bitcoin. That's a, it's a slim to none kind of a thing. But you do have now a ton of hodlers who are fucking stacking sats every week. And uh, they might even up it if the market's going the other way. So you have this really small subset of people who are buying the dip and uh, fucking just stacking sats and drying up that supply. Yeah, um, it's a real thought there. I mean, that's pretty, you know, that's what I don't think. And the only thing that, you know, disadvantaged Bitcoin at this point, as I mentioned earlier, is really just the adoption. That's it. Is people knowing how to, you know, buy it, use it, whatever. 
Um, because this, as I said earlier, like the way the system collapsed in 2008, the thought is like, if that happens again, it doesn't matter because people can't buy Bitcoin then. That would be the hardest thing would be for the average person to be able to buy Bitcoin. How do they do it? You know, the banking system's all screwed up. Right. No, that's a really good point. And I think the the lesson learned there is buy before that happens because if we're under a fucking existential crisis, you're going to want to have some Bitcoin prior to that. Um, so anybody listening to this, be a good steward of Bitcoin and uh, help your friends and family and loved ones when they come asking you how to buy it, store it and secure it. You have to be their go to person. This is like going to be some grassroots shit. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, it's, uh, like it's so we can we can there's so many different ways that this can play out. And that's what like really gets interesting here is if there's like if central banks don't save the market, um, then you're just going to see majority of well, you're going to see a lot of companies disappear. The whole startup thing is going to just vapor and vaporize into thin air. Uh, and then you're going to see like, for instance, equities will just shed value on like n- none other. Like you're just, you'll just see it, just a giant deflation really is the way to put it. Right. Right. Yeah. It could get messy. I have, uh, I wanted to hit on some of the Q and a questions that we got Yeah. before I forget. Um, the first of which is the having, And the question was, you know, talk about the, the next having and how it will affect everything. Well, I have no idea how it will affect everything, but, uh, you know, typically, the having events um, are in the middle or, or near the start of some sort of a bull run. And whether that happens again next time, I have no clue. But uh, when you think about the facts of what happens, you know, the supply will be – the daily sub- emissions rate of Bitcoin will be cut in half and will go to 6.25 BTC every 10 minutes. Um, so that goes from I think it goes from eighteen hundred a day down to nine hundred per day released. And uh, by that time, I bet you fees are going to be way higher than they are today um, to cover the loss in uh, block subsidy. And I think we saw that within the last couple of weeks that actual uh, the fees were more than the actual block subsidy. So that's a good thing. We're seeing the fee markets getting really healthy and that's exactly what we want to see. We want to make sure the miners are um, properly compensated for um, performing that function of verifying transactions. Um, But the game fucking changes when the halving happens and this one in particular, because I believe the annualized inflation rate would be – 1.8%. 1.8%. So you're getting, you're knocking on gold's door and uh, perhaps even lower than that. So I don't know if anyone will be valuing um, Bitcoin versus gold there in a sense of, is that even a comparable metric? Uh, I guess it's interesting to talk about. Um, in reality, if it makes a difference, who knows? But the majority of the Bitcoin will be mined by then, like 87% or between 85 and 90% of all BTC will be mined and in circulation or in cold storage. So like there's not many left and that will certainly have an effect on the price one way or the other. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, as you said, it's 
basically it comes down to um, price adoption here and if if you have a functioning monetary system because at the end of the day you just need fiat on ramps for bitcoin to work at this point because you got to think about the every basically everyone's on fiat monetary system um, and that's right what, and so and then you got to think about how many people really have bitcoin you know yeah it's not many we're talking less than one percent of the global population yeah it's a it's a big it takes it's a lot of people it's a, it's lot, a lot, lot of people, people to onboard that's for sure yeah and we, we saw the exchange system just completely collapse in december that's well, a good point not even december i would say november easily i mean even before that you had issues but like november december january where they just stopped taking book cracking was down for like six weeks it yeah, was i remember making memes about like the exchange being down when you were trying to buy <laughs> it sucked oh yeah no there were so many issues on yeah no i mean it's ridiculous yeah i think the infrastructure will be more robust this, this time, time around definitely. yeah so the next you know the next wave of fomo we see i don't think we're going to have as many issues of people signing up for the exchanges and dealing with all that um that bullshit uh, so I think that's better. I really hope that the we have a very easy to use multi-sig wallet available this year and in 2020, and other um, plug-and-play nodes and Lightning nodes that you can run at home. I think those are very necessary and are and are coming. I think that'll make it a lot easier to help with the onboarding process because to use the latest and greatest features. And to help with the network, you're going to want a lot more people running nodes. So I think we see that a lot of people who have been DMing me have been asking me which node to order, and they ordered a Casa node. You know, let's open up a channel. So it's definitely growing, and I think the more options, the better. So we need to see a lot of good competition in the plug and play node space, and um, that just the the key management needs to get better, and it is getting better. Um, you want to be able to use a multi-sig wallet, anybody, like just make it stupid simple. And uh, I think we're going to get there. So that's going to be a project that we're going to work on in 2019 to to talk about on the podcast because it's super important. If we're going to sit and bullshit about Bitcoin all day, we might as well um, talk about the best ways to secure it and help people kind of learn that and take it seriously. Yeah, we could just do one on like hardware wallets, paper wallets, um, you know, web browser wallets, just give it just a basis behind them and what, you know, purposes. Yeah. And it's, and I've been like hesitating to talk about it cause there's so many cool things in the pipeline. I don't even want to start at paper wallets. If by in the next six months, um, using a multi-sigs ch- cheap and easy, like that's what we should be talking about. That's what people need to get used to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be sweet. I think there's a lot of great I'm excited for Bitcoin hardware. Bitcoin hardware is awesome. It's a lot of fun. I like hardware. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. And uh, what do you think, man? Should we wrap it up? That was pretty good. Well, we could wrap it up. That's a good way to end it. Yeah. So, um, 
thank you for tuning in to episode 14 of the Beef and Bitcoin podcast. Uh, please like and subscribe to this YouTube channel. Leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, shoot us a DM if you'd like to hear this on a different podcast app. I'm pretty much using only uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and it seems to be working out. But if anybody would prefer to hear this on a different uh, platform, just let us know. Happy Monday coming up. Let's see what happens with the markets. It's next week going to be a shit show. Who the fuck knows? Um, you know, we'll see, man. Yeah, it's all I know is these next few weeks are going to get very interesting. Like, and I, I lean obviously more to the shit hits the fan type of thing very shortly here. And obviously, a few weeks could turn into a few months, but it, I don't think it gets better from here. Um, yep. So we're going to have a lot to talk about pretty yeah, much. Yeah, we're going to be able to just keep recording podcasts on this. 